guys, I'm Ray Bella, and this is Words for Granted, a podcast that looks at how words change over time. If you love the show, you can become a contributor at patreon.com slash wordsforgranted. For just a buck a month, you'll gain access to bonus episodes, and for a bit more, I'll send you your own Words for Granted mug. The upcoming patrons-only episode will be on the etymology of Britain. I was hoping to have that up by this week, but the episode you're listening to right now took a really long time to put together. If, instead of Patreon, you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can do that at www.paypal.me slash wordsforgranted. And with that, let's get on to today's episode, part three in our series on proper place names. If you look at the name of a particular European country in different European languages, you'll probably find more than one etymology for that country. There is usually a dominant etymological root that's shared by most of the European languages, and then another etymologically unrelated root or two that are shared just by a handful of languages. As a general rule, the preservation and geographical distribution of one place name over another is always a product of historical circumstances. We saw evidence of this trend in last week's episode on the word Wales. Quick recap. Wales was named by the English-speaking Anglo-Saxons, not by the native Celtic-speaking Welsh. These Anglo-Saxons would eventually found England, and because of England's international influence over time, this English word Wales would spread to virtually every continental European language. However, in the native Welsh language, Wales is called Cymru, which is not cognate with Wales. Naturally, Cymru is a Celtic word, and in the surviving modern Celtic languages, the word for Wales is cognate with Cymru. That is, except for in Irish. In Irish, Wales is called Breton Beog, or something like that. This name for Wales has no cognates in any other languages, and it literally means Little Britain. So, one predominant root word, two minor root words. The reason why I've used Wales to illustrate this general principle is because we've already discussed its details on this podcast, but the reality is most European countries have a similar story. But one European country that does not have a similar story is Germany. Unlike the names for Wales, the names for Germany fall into a whopping six distinct etymological categories making the names for Germany the most etymologically diverse of those of any European country. Also unlike Wales, which has one predominant etymology, Germany has four predominant etymologies among European languages. Instead of following a linear chronology in today's episode, we're going to investigate each of these etymological categories on an individual basis. But before we do that, we should probably address the basic question, why does Germany have so many different names in the first place? The answer is actually fairly straightforward, but it requires a bit of historical foreknowledge. The modern nation-state of Germany has only existed since 1871. That's a whole century younger than America, but Germanic people, along with Germanic languages and Germanic cultures, have been around for over four millennia. I'd like to take a moment to define what I mean by Germanic because in the context of history, linguistics, and anthropology, Germanic is not just another word for German. 
I'm sure that many of you are already familiar with this term, but for the sake of those who aren't, here's a quick crash course to get everybody on the same page. Germanic is a Northern European, Indo-European language family. The Indo-European language family refers to any language that ultimately derives from the Proto-Indo-European language, or the first Indo-European language. Proto-Indo-European was spoken by a group of people living in Eurasia sometime between 7500 and 4500 BCE, to put it roughly, and over the course of many waves of independent migrations, these people and their language spread throughout the majority of Europe and as far east as India. As time passed, the languages of these Indo-European migrants became distinct, producing ancient languages such as Sanskrit, Latin, Persian, Greek, and Germanic among many others. These languages would then change over time and go on to produce the modern Indo-European languages spoken today. Okay, so the Proto-Germanic tribes, or the first Germanic tribes, settled in southern Scandinavia sometime between the 3rd and 2nd millennia BCE. From the 5th century BCE to the 1st century CE, these Germanic tribes expanded southward to the Danube and Rhine rivers, making them neighbors with the Roman Empire. By the dawn of the Common Era, Germanic peoples inhabited modern Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Germany, the Netherlands, Belgium, Switzerland, and even eastern France. These northern European regions were inhabited by a people sharing genetically related cultures, religions, and dialects, and we collectively know these as Germanic. Even though this region was historically inhabited by many tribes belonging to a single ethno-linguistic group, these Germanic tribes never consolidated into a single unified nation, and this lack of a national identity is one of the keys to understanding why modern Germany has so many different names in different languages. The Romans designated the lands of the Germanic tribes as Germania, which seems straightforward enough, but each of these tribes had their own chiefdoms, their own states and kingdoms, etc., and all of these different entities had different names. Given Germania's location smack dab in the middle of Europe, it had a wide range of linguistically diverse geopolitical neighbors in every direction. This diversity naturally produced a wide range of names for both the Germanic region and its peoples, and, in turn, a wide range of names for the modern nation-state of Germany and Germans as we know them. With these basic facts in mind, we can begin exploring the etymological groups to which these many names of Germany belong. The first group we'll be looking at comprises names derived from that Latin word Germania. Obviously, this is the source of the modern English name Germany. The term Germania is first attested in Julius Caesar's account of the Gallic Wars in the mid-first century BCE. The Gallic Wars took place in the predominantly Celtic-inhabited region of Gaul. Gaul was the region west of the Rhine River that, for the most part, encompassed modern-day France, Belgium, and Switzerland. Side note, this episode refers to a lot of ancient place names and ancient peoples, and unfortunately for the non-ancient historians among you, there's just no way to get around this if we want to understand the full story. So I'll be trying my best to make these things as clear as possible. According to the Remi, a Gallic tribe who allied with Caesar against their own peoples during the Gallic Wars, the tribes living along the banks of the Rhine River were called Germani. Assuming that these Germani tribes originated to the east of the Rhine, 
Caesar designated this entire eastern region as Germania, literally the place of the Germani. This term Germani is almost certainly not what these tribes called themselves. It's probably a Gallic word of Celtic origin, but we'll speculate more on the word's ultimate etymology in just a bit. In 98 CE, the Roman historian Tacitus used the term Germania in his popular ethnographic work De Origine et Situ Germanorum, or The Origin and Situations of the Germans, helping to preserve the name Germania for all time. However, there's a slight problem with the term Germani as it appears in the ancient Roman sources. Germani probably doesn't mean Germanic as we understand it today. When Caesar wrote about the Germani, he was mainly talking about a handful of Belgic tribes who lived on the banks of the Rhine alongside the Gallic Celts in eastern Gaul. According to Caesar, the names of these original Germanic tribes were the Condrusi, Eberones, Cyrasi, and Paimani. Like I already said, Caesar claimed that these tribes migrated into Gaul from east of the Rhine, but modern scholarship is skeptical of the Germanic origins of these tribes designated by Caesar as Germani. Our main red flag is the fact that these original Germani Kisrenani, or left bank Germans, have identifiably Celtic tribal names and personal names, not Germanic ones. Now, it is possible that these left-bank Germans were indeed originally from Germania proper and had resettled in Celtic Gaul and over time absorbed Celtic culture and a Celtic language, but we can't be sure of this. The implication here is that the so-called left-bank Germans, the earliest people in recorded history to have been called Germans, may not have been Germanic at all. To make things even more complicated, Tacitus, who wrote his ethnography on Germania over a century after the Gallic Wars, claims that the term Germani was the original name of the tribe that in his day was known as the Tungri. Some historians believe that the Tungri were the same people as the Eberones, which indeed were one of the tribes included in Caesar's classification, but this can't be verified 100%, and even if it could, it still doesn't confirm that the original people identified as Germanic were actually Germanic in the modern sense. As we can see, in the early Roman ethnographies, the designation of Germanic simply meant people originating east of the Rhine, or maybe more accurately, people who the Romans believed to originate east of the Rhine. This general term Germani early on almost certainly included a handful of Celts into the mix as well. Having established the historical context of the word Germania, we can take a look at a few theories concerning its etymological roots, though none of them are universally accepted. The one point of agreement is that the word probably derives from a Celtic source. Some linguists think that Germania comes from the Celtic root word gar, meaning noisy, a reference to the Germanic tribe's infamous war cries. If this is true, then Germania and Germany are cognate with the modern English word slogan, which comes from the Gaelic-Scottish word sluag germ, literally meaning army shout. Another theory claims the word is cognate with the Irish word gair, which means neighbor, while another derives it from gair, a Celtic root word meaning spear. But who really knows? Definitely not I. Major European languages with Germania-derived words for Germany include English, Italian, Russian, Greek, 
Armenian, Macedonian, and Romanian. Greek borrowed Germania from Latin during the Roman period, so that's how cognates of Germania spread to languages in southeastern Europe. Through British colonialism, this root word for Germany spread via English to many South Asian languages, including Hindi, Gujarati, and Bengali, among many others. I should note that the English common nouns German and Germain, both of which are variations of a single word that means of the same parents, is etymologically unrelated to Germany. Although the word Germany appears in the English written record during the 1300s as an anglicization of the Latin term referring to the vast region of all Germanic peoples, it didn't become the main English word for that region until the 16th century. Germany was used interchangeably with the words Almain or Alman, while Germans could be called Alemanni. In Othello, scene 2, act 3, Shakespeare switches between the words German and Almain in a single passage. These older English synonyms for German and Germany derive from the name of the Alemanni tribe. The Alemanni were a southern Germanic tribe, and their name is our second major source for names of Germany. The Alemanni were first recorded by the Roman historian Cassius Dio in the late 3rd century CE. According to Dio, they were a Germanic confederation that lived along the upper Rhine River. On the modern map, that would put them between northwestern Switzerland and southern Germany. In the following centuries, they would expand eastward into what is modern-day France until they were conquered by the Frankish King Clovis and absorbed into the Frankish kingdom. Unsurprisingly, the French word for Germany is Allemagne. But more on the geographical distribution of this term in just a minute. Early on, Roman writers claimed that the name Alemanni came from a Germanic root word meaning all man, implying that the Alemanni tribe was actually a conglomerate tribe comprising smaller tribes that had come together for greater political and military strength. Etymological theories put forth by ancient historians are often inaccurate, but in this case, modern linguists have conceivably reconstructed a Proto-Germanic term, Alemannis, meaning all man. However, there is also a lesser-known alternative etymology that derives Alemanni from a Latin source meaning foreign men, where the al in Alemanni instead comes from alius, the Latin word for other. The reason this is a significant alternative theory is because Wallafrid Strabo, an Alemannic monk writing in the 9th century CE, claimed that the Alemanni tribe were the same as the Swabi tribe, but Alemanni was the name given to them by the Romans. Like the Alemanni, the Suebi were yet another Germanic tribe that is believed to have been an amalgamation of smaller tribes. Coincidentally, the Suebi lived in a similar region as the Alemanni. This is alluring evidence in support of this alternative Latin-derived etymology, but we can't say for sure if it's true. Like I said earlier, the Alemanni were incorporated into the Frankish kingdom that would eventually become France, and through this close proximity and historical relationship, Alemann became the modern French word for Germany. From French, this term spread westward to Spain and Portugal. Through Spain's historical relationship with the Arabs, this root word was borrowed into Arabic and spread internationally throughout the Arab world as the word for Germany. Through Spanish and Portuguese colonialism, this root word also spread to South America and other territories throughout the world. 
The reason why the French-derived Allemand was common in English during the Middle English period was because after the Norman-French conquest of England in 1066, French words began pouring into the English language. This older French-derived English term for German still survives in a few obscure places. An Allemande is a dance that was popular in Baroque-era Germany, and this term trickled down to square dancing and contra dancing. In these contexts, an allemande is when dancing couples turn around each other while holding each other's forearms. An even more obscure preservation of this word is in the Allmain rivet, which is a type of strong and flexible armor made in Germany during the 16th century. In Germanic linguistics, Alemannic German is the dialect spoken in parts of southern Germany and neighboring countries including Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Austria, and the Alsace region of France. Naturally, the dialects of German spoken in these regions trace their roots all the way back to the language spoken by the Alemanni peoples. And now, for a quick word from our sponsor. Words for Granted is a proud member of the CLNS network, and today's episode is brought to you by Blue Chew. That's blue, like the color. If any of my male listeners have been feeling as though they need a little extra help keeping up with their partners, if you know what I mean, then BlueChew.com might just have the thing for you. Blue Chew contains the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so there's no waiting around for the effect to kick in. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Not that there should be any awkwardness around this sort of thing in the first place, because it can happen to anyone. Blue Chew is made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than anything you can find at the pharmacy. Right now, Blue Chew has a special deal for Words for Granted listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code WFG, as in Words for Granted. All you have to do is pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code WFG to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice on the market, and I'd like to thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. I really do hope that some of you get to take advantage of this offer. I bet you never thought that Words for Granted would be helping to get your love life back into shape, but crazier things have happened. Am I right? Okay, back to the many names of Germany. Our next etymological category contains words derived from the old High German word Deutsch, including Deutschland, which is what Germans themselves call the country of Germany. Old High German, spoken approximately between the years 700 and 1050, is the predecessor to the modern standard German language. It's called High German because it was spoken in Southern Germany, which is at a higher elevation than Northern Germany. It's a confusing name because Northern Germany is higher than Southern Germany on the north-south axis of a map, but whatever, that's the name we're stuck with. Duetisch literally meant of the people, and it was a term used by Germanic speakers to differentiate themselves from their Celtic and Latin-speaking neighbors. Although the Germanic tribes often fought with each other and never politically united into a single kingdom, this term indicates that at the very least, they acknowledge their shared linguistic heritage. 
If we trace the word Deutsch all the way back to Proto-Indo-European, it comes from the reconstructed root word Tueta, which meant people. For you Old English buffs out there, it's cognate with the Old English word Theod, which meant people. The word Deutsch was borrowed into Late Latin as the word Theodiscus, and at first, Theodiscus was simply an antonym of Latin. After the fall of the Roman Empire, Latin continued to be used as the language of learning and the language of the church. Classical Latin was no longer spoken as anyone's first language, and its usage was limited to a very small and privileged sector of society. In contrast, Theodiscus referred to the native languages spoken by common people. Although this originally would have included the regional dialects of so-called vulgar Latin, over time, the sense of Teodiscus narrowed to mean all non-Latinate dialects spoken in the regions of the former Roman Empire. Well, at this point in history, if you were a commoner living in Western Europe and you didn't speak a Latinate language, you probably spoke a Germanic language, and thus Teodiscus came to refer to solely the Germanic languages. Interestingly, the earliest extant usage of this Latin term Teodiscus is in reference to Old English, which indeed was a very Germanic language. Here's a bit of a digression, but I find it pretty neat. This root word Deutsch was borrowed from the Eastern Germanic tribes into the Proto-Slavic language, and in this new Slavic context, it didn't mean Germanic, but came to mean foreign or other, which is of course the exact opposite of people, which is what the word originally meant. However, from the Slavic perspective, this new meaning made sense, since the Germanic people were unslavic. The Polish word sutse and Russian word sutjoy, both of which mean someone else's, other, or alien, are examples of the Slavic inheritance of this term. The term Deutsch has been used by Germans to refer to themselves since the early modern period, so when the modern nation of Germany was founded in 1871, it was naturally the basis for the name that was chosen for their newly formed country. With the exception of English, the other Germanic languages, including Dutch, Danish, Icelandic, Swedish, and Norse, all refer to Germany with Deutsch-derived names. Through various strands of historical contact, these Deutsch-derived names have also spread to East Asian languages such as Chinese, Japanese, and Korean. Interestingly, the Italian word for German is Tedesco, which derives from this root, yet the Italian word for Germany itself, as you may recall, derives from Germania. Now, you may have noticed that the words Dutch and Deutsch sound quite similar. That's because the English word Dutch, referring to the language and people of the Netherlands, actually derives from Deutsch. As we've already mentioned, Dutch and German are sister Germanic languages, both deriving from a single common source. The word Dutch is attested in English in as early as the 14th century, and it referred to speakers of non-Scandinavian Germanic languages on continental Europe, not just people from the Netherlands. When the Netherlands unified into a single nation-state, the word Dutch came to refer strictly to this country's language and people. Confusingly, up until the 15th century, the people of the Netherlands actually referred to themselves as Deutsch, which is indistinguishable from what the people of Germany called themselves and still call themselves. In short, depending on the time period and language, that word Deutsch and its derivatives could mean different things.
This older sense of the word Dutch, meaning German in a general sense, survives in the American Pennsylvania Dutch. The Dutch part of the Pennsylvania Dutch name does not refer to people from the Netherlands or their language. The European immigrants that would become known as the Pennsylvania Dutch came from regions of modern Switzerland and Germany. They were Deutsch in the German sense of the word. When they first came to America, Deutsch was the name by which they called themselves, and the pronunciation of their own designated term became Americanized as Dutch. This, of course, turned out to be identical to the pre-existing English word Dutch that referred to the people of the Netherlands, and the name just stuck. As a close to our discussion of words for Germany in the Deutsch family, I'd briefly like to mention that the terms Teuton and Teutonic are probably cognate with Deutsch as well, though not derived from it. Teutonic is yet another old synonym for Germanic, and today the word Teuton is sometimes used as a derogatory word for German. In short, the Teutons were one of those barbarian tribes encountered by the Romans early on, but we're not sure if they were Celtic or Germanic. However, in the tradition of imprecise ancient ethnography, the Teutons came to be synonymous with Germans, generally speaking. Our fourth etymological category derives its name for Germany from the Proto-Slavic word Nemetz. The Proto-Slavic word Nemetz meant mute or dumb. You might be thinking, hey, Proto-Slavs, that's not very nice, but what the term implied was people who are unable to speak like us. Etymologists have suggested that the word Slav itself, which is indeed what the Slavs called themselves, derives from the word slovo, meaning word. If this is so, then the Slavs' self-imposed dichotomy between themselves, speakers of the word, literally, and their non-Slavic Germanic neighbors, the Nemets or the Mutes, makes a little more sense. As it turns out, the Greeks followed a similar formula in their own generic term for non-Greek speakers. The Greeks called non-Greeks barbaros, which has passed into modern English as barbarian. As you might expect, Nemetz-derived names for Germany can be found in all the major Slavic languages except Russian and Bulgarian. But there's a twist. While the Russian and Bulgarian words for Germany derive from Germania, the Russian and Bulgarian words for German, the adjective form, are Nemetsky and Nemsky, respectively, both of which obviously derive from Nemetz. We saw a similar situation in Italian where the word for Germany has one etymology, while the adjectival form has another. Nemetz is also the root of the Hungarian word for Germany. Hungarian, although surrounded on all sides by Slavic languages, is not a Slavic language itself nor is it a Proto-Indo-European language at all. Okay, just two more etymological categories left. These two are the least common of the six, so if you're feeling fatigue at this point, don't worry, we are almost at the end. In the Finnic languages, Finnish and Estonian, the words for Germany are Saxa and Saxama, respectively. These words derive from the name of the Saxon tribe, the Saxons were a Germanic tribe that originally lived along the North Sea coast of what is today modern Germany. Along with the Angles and other neighboring tribes, the Saxons migrated to the British Isle, and their name lives on in the Saxon half of the Anglo-Saxon legacy. 
If you look at where modern Finland and Estonia are on the map in comparison to where the ancient Saxons are believed to have lived before their migration, these two places are geographically close enough for regular contact to have occurred. The name of the Saxon tribe is believed to come from the Siax, a Germanic word for a type of short knife that the Saxons would have used in warfare. If this is true, then Saxon would literally mean something like swordsman. Last but not least, we have two names for Germany in the Baltic region, the Latvian Vakaia and the Lithuanian Vokietia. And linguists aren't exactly sure where they come from, and I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce them, but you get the idea. One theory derives these names from the Vagoths, a Swedish tribe, while another derives it from the Indo-European root word wek, which means speak. The idea behind the Weck theory is that it's connected to the Germanic tribe's infamous war cries. And with that, our survey of the names of Germany is complete. I hope you found that both informative and comprehensible. Again, if you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash wordsforgranted. And don't forget to find me on Facebook and Twitter. You can just search Words for Granted and you'll find me. If you want to contact me directly, the email for the show is wordsforgranted at gmail.com. All right, have a great day. I'll talk to you guys soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.